Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the show. Craig and Joe with you on FST here on SportsGrid. Thanks for tuning into our show today. If you want to watch our first show, head on over to YouTube On Demand. You can see the first hour of our program in case you missed it. I know a lot of you are watching on some of the live streams over maybe on Zumo TV or Pluto TV, Stir, or even over on SportsGrid.com. But as soon as our show is over, what we do is, like a lot of the new television providers, we're uploading our show to YouTube. So this way you can watch every show on demand. And if you wouldn't like and you do choose to do that, Please make sure you like and subscribe to the show, and most importantly, set your notifications to the on button, so the little bell. And just like when I get my phone and I know that the show is uploaded, very easy on my phone. I don't have to be by a TV. I could just hit the play button and check it out. That's how a lot of us are watching TV these days. Hopefully, you are too. And also, you could watch our previous shows where we went through some potential props in you know, win totals uh, and also some basically player props for their total yards in 2020. And uh, look, this is a very difficult proposition to do right now in the month of May, considering we still have months until the NFL season. But at least it gives us an early look as to how we view some of the players in 2020. We continue with the quarterbacks today, Joe, and we're going to talk today about Philip Rivers, who will be in Canton, Ohio, I would think. The second his career ends, he'll wait his five years and, and should be, if not a first ballot Hall of Famer, a second. I could care less if the guy is won a Super Bowl or not, his stats just stack up with all the great quarterbacks, really, in the history of the NFL. Uh, he's with the Colts this year. It's going to be a different look for him. It will be weird. We've seen Phillip Rivers with the Chargers for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, his total this year is 409 minus 112. So you're risking $112 to win 100 on the over. And the under is, is of course, the same, 4099. That is the number. And with the .5 means that there are no pushes, in, just in case that you're wondering why they threw .5 in there. FanDuel doesn't want their pushes. I'll have to ask FanDuel why they don't want pushes. I'm not sure. Nobody likes pushes. Uh, it's like kissing your sister. Just win or lose. No push. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes a push is good. It's not a, any, anything is better than a loss. So I guess. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, the passing yards per year for Rivers is pretty staggering. Yeah. 46-15 last year, 43-08 the year before, 45-15 the year before that. And this guy is thrown for 4,000 passing yards in seven straight seasons and doesn't have a damn thing to show for it. Man, he, this guy has won nothing with all of these yards. It is amazing to think. All the success that he has had, and virtually the team has never won. So, like, I, I hate to say it, but when Rivers' career is over, I'm going to think of him in two ways. Great quarterback. Who never won? I mean, yeah. that's, well, that's just that's, a fact. It's the same thing you think about in those late 90s NBA. It's like, well, great players, but they never won. Why? Because they played in the AFC during the Brady-Belichick era. The Brady-Belichick Patriots. championship games did the Chargers go to? Uh, t- at least the one. I remember the one with LT where, you know, that did not end well and they were fighting after the game I and know, things like that. They should have the at least gotten to that point more. Uh, they should have, but they lost in earlier rounds to the Patriots or other teams. Um, you know, they, they've been to nine Super Bowls. 50% of the Super Bowls, basically, in the last 20 years were the Patriots. I mean, that is that is just something yeah, you have to but I'm, go, I'm, okay, I'm willing well, to give them a mulligan right. on that. I'm, well, giving, I think them, I'm giving Rivers a mulligan, but why not get to why not play in the championship game? 
because uh, unfortunately, some rounds they got ousted early. Look, that, it, well, what does that mean? The guy has won nothing. In the the guy has won nothing. Years. It's sad, but true. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, is when you start looking at these historical numbers here, last year, 4,600 yards, the year before, 43, the year before that, 45. Uh, am I crazy or just seem like a giant gimme? This four thousand zero nine nine. Well, see, see this. This, if you watch yesterday's show, this is a good example of the uh, having opinion versus having the data. The okay. data, the data here is absolutely going to point toward the over. I mean, it, I mean, you'd oh, have yeah. to be crazy to think that it wouldn't. But then again, you can have certainly an opinion that it won't. And go against the data, and that is exactly what I would do in this particular situation. Okay, so so what's the narrative I just, writing here? I am just not. I am not a fan of him at this stage of his career, and okay. I think going from the Chargers to the Colts is going to hurt him. Um, and I am not confident that he will stay healthy for a whole season. And I saw with my own eyes, despite the numbers, which are impossible to ignore, they are there. <laughs> they are there. I saw a poor quarterback playing last year, and I know that you're chalking a lot of this up to the offensive line. Well, Maybe matters. that is the, the case. The <laughs> Maybe that is the case, and and we will look back in January, and I will gladly sit here and say, "Hey, man, like I had this one completely wrong." If the well, case. you might be, you I, might I not think... be wrong about the age of Phil Rivers and where he's at in his career potentially. You're also looking at a team that's a little different structurally because. You have, I mean, they always had Melvin Gordon, who had some very good seasons there. Austin Eckler had a very good season last year with the they've Chargers. They've always had talent there. Maybe. They've had, ta they've always had talent there. But I'm looking right now at the talent he's going into. They took Jonathan Taylor. They have Marlon Mack, so they have more than one running back there. Um, they're looking at the wide receiver core, and maybe they're thinking to themselves, "I'm trying to write the negative narrative of the under here." Well, you have which to is play both two sides. Running backs, yeah, you have to do that. Which is okay. Ty Hilton, maybe Ty's done, maybe. Uh, maybe Pittman and Paris Campbell aren't ready to take that next step. Maybe those are guys that um, maybe FanDuel doesn't feel like there's enough potential in those guys in this first year. And yes, it is very difficult most of the time for players to go to a new situation and come together. However, Frank Reich is not new to Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers and Frank Reich worked together when he was with the Chargers. So the verbiage is the same. A lot of the play calling, uh, the cadences are the same. A lot of the, when, when you're walking in structurally to a place where you're not learning a whole different verbiage and a whole different kind of playbook, that is a lot easier. And Philip Rivers, I think, is kind of like Tom Brady. He's ready for a new challenge. But the fact that he's worked with the OC before, he's worked with Frank Reich before, that that is a huge difference as opposed to walking into something completely blind, which is basically what Tom Brady's doing with Brazarians. That is a completely new situation and an environment for Tom Brady. Whereas I look at Philip Rivers and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, Frank Reich and him know exactly what they're gonna do. This is gonna be really good. He knows Philip Rivers' strengths. They've worked together in San Diego. So you're picking up Philip Rivers and man, I find it hard to believe that as long as he's playing 16 games and he doesn't go over this number. And I think the narrative would have to be that he doesn't get enough out of the wide receiving core and they just run the football a ton behind that great offensive line. But you know what? I don't know, man. That same offensive line a couple of years ago was in the playoffs with Andrew Luck throwing the ball all over the place. So, man, for me, I think this is an easy over and I think people might be overthinking this. Yeah. So I, did I sell I'll, you on the other nuggets about no, Frank Reich no, and no, the familiarity? Just, listen, yeah, yeah, look – you watch me, you do the shows with me, you know that if Every I day. have an opinion, if I don't have an opinion, I'll tell you that I pass. Well, I think it's and, good when we have opposite opinions because I don't think and, you're wrong in, have, in your opinion. Well, it's not. Listen, you, you have to have an opinion. My opinion is that Philip Rivers is done. And okay. my opinion is that the wheels are going to fall off 
and this is going to be it. And this is going to be, uh, as uh, Brett was discussing with me yesterday, essentially Tony Parker. I'm going to use Brett's words here, Tony, or not his words, but just kind of how example. Okay. Tony Parker's season in Charlotte, which I was I was not all that aware of, but essentially uh, this is a guy that I think is finished, and I think that it's going to end very badly there. And I think it was a bad move by the Colts. And I, I just didn't like what I saw last year at all. Fair enough. At all. Well, it's hard when you're, <laughs> it's hard when uh, you got three guys on top of you as soon as you hike the football. It's hard mentally. But it's but hard he's physically. just very old at this point, And, and is, I, and I don't want to be on time. the end of the old guy. I no, but, but I think when you take the old guy and you put him in front of the best offensive line of football, the, the huge swing from 32nd to 1st, I just think you have to respect that a little bit more. And even if he's, quote, done, is he done to the expense that he's not getting 4,000 yards? I mean, when's the last season he didn't? I don't think so. I don't think he's going to play the whole season. The other thing, too, is that offensive line are are fickle from year to year. And at the end of the season, if we look back and say, oh, but two two guys on the Colts offensive line got hurt. We're out for the year. Oh, look, injuries can always kill these things. Right, but that's not going to be an excuse for Rivers, for me. I'm going to say, well, you know, I mean, if that's what you were counting on, a great offensive line for this guy to be successful, then it was a bad bet because I just – I don't think that he can survive either way. I'm just – again, I'm a big fan of his. I just said at the beginning, he's a Hall of Famer for sure. I think it's over. I, I think that this was a poor move. I think that he puts a Flacco year up like Flacco did last year. I think he's out after a few games. I don't think he makes it through the season. But, again, the data speaks otherwise because you're right. If he plays 16 games, he's going over the total. No question. Well, I wanted to see real quick what that number is divided out over 16. Just curious what that average passing. So somewhere around 256. That's his average oh, passing. Oh, he plays the whole season. He's going over for sure. So, so that, that, I mean, I 256 is a good number. I, I think that's 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 decent enough. But Philip Rivers of the past – you know, that's usually in the 270 range to hit the 460s and the 430 uh, and the 4500 numbers that he's hit the last couple of years. Sometimes you got to go with your eyes. And Absolutely. my eyes told me right. that he's done. At the I end guess of last is important. Year. I just, I felt it. I felt it. All right. It. Who's oh, next? Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Sam Darnold, uh, his total with the Jets is 3024. And that's the over under there. He threw for uh, 30 24 last year in 13 games. He threw for. 2865 the year before that. This number is so low. I mean, my <laughs> gosh, this number is just so low that they're telling you something else in this narrative, don't you think? That he's going to get hurt. That he's either going to play 16 hurt. games. He is definitely going over this total. But I guess that, that, I guess you cannot count on him being healthy. I mean, I guess. Or, or do they do they count on him sputtering out? It's one of those he two things. Wow, so I guess I guess here that. you go. You have to make a choice now. Do you want to bet on Sam Darnold having a good 16-game season, winning seven games or something like that? Or do you want to bet on the Jets being terrible, uh, maybe another injury, maybe some fallout, maybe, you know, him regression? I want to pass. I want to pass on this one. but I, I would pass too, but, I mean, over just seems so easy. I mean, 3,000. is so low. This number so is so low. low. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, uh, 200 yards a game? I mean, how does he not do that? And it's not like they're the greatest running team in the world. I mean, Frank Gore, God bless him, and Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I, I mean, Le'Veon Bell did not look sharp running that ball last year. But again, this offensive line's not very good either. And I know was the Darnold receiver, hurt two years ago. Uh, Darnold did well. Darnold got hurt and was sat down for a few games after throwing a bunch of picks, and then he came back for the last four games of the season and played much better. Uh, and then last year, obviously, the I mono. last year he had the mono. Right? And, that, and that's that, a that very difficult that. thing. That, no, and that's a very difficult thing to 
you know, come back from health. I'd have, I'd have to lean over, but boy, this number is really telling you that there's no guarantee. I mean, FanDuel is not making numbers to lose. They're so, not. They're so they're making numbers. numbers gotta to be you how the Jets are a disaster, and I'm telling you, it's gonna come to fruition. I'm sorry, Jet fans. Like I understand. Like you're not happy with me, but you have to look at the up and down this roster. When your number one wide receiver is Jameson Crowder, you have to look at it and go. Do we Did really have a shot? Uh, Perriman? I like Perriman. No. <laughs> He was good that, That's where, what, uh, two games? <laughs> he was good. He was I thought okay. he was pretty good. He'll probably be a bust, but I thought he was pretty good at the end of the uh, last year. All right, uh, speaking of the Jets, coming up next, we're going to touch on their uh, running back from last year, Le'Veon Bell. We're going to go through his totals and also Miles Sanders. Really interesting one on Miles Sanders from the Philadelphia Eagles uh, and, and kind of what we think of his season. So we'll do that coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Also, Matt Sells will join us coming up. As we hit on the big NASCAR race coming up this weekend, we'll be right back. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back as we dive back into some NFL props here for the 2020 football season. By the way, these are all courtesy of uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook, which you can catch online. Make sure that you catch all of that. And uh, certainly we'll be previewing the football season if uh, if the baseball season doesn't happen. But we're hopeful in the next couple of weeks that I can stop doing this and start getting back to some <laughs> baseball. But since we are on it. Uh, let's go back to the Jets here, and today we're going to look at two running backs in the NFL. The first one and his 2020 player prop. Keep in mind, these are all things you can bet. I'm not doing uh, betting that's not actionable on this show and just making up stuff. You can go over to the FanDuel Sportsbook, go <laughs> well, online. I think you're just making things up here. Well, people like to just make like these bets that don't exist. Go to the FanDuel Sportsbook. You can see the odds are there. You may not be able to bet it unless you can bet legally. New Jersey, West Virginia, I believe Illinois. Uh, but wherever the, the FanDuel Sportsbook is legal, you can bet it. And even if you don't want to bet it and you just want to look at the odds, just pop on your phone. Just Google FanDuel Sportsbook. It'll come right up. You can check it out. Le'Veon Bell. Wow. Uh, I thought he was a massive disappointment last year. And then I forgot. Yeah, he caught a lot of passes and got some receiving yards and scored some touchdowns, too. So he graded out well in fantasy. Boy, but you got to be a little bit worried, I think, little. with what could be coming here. Um, <laughs> the over-under for his combined yards is really low. 12.99 and a half. And minus 112 to win 100. So for those of you who don't understand betting, we'll explain it to you. You're risking $112 to win 100 on this. Uh, the uh, under is uh, also 12.99 and a half, as you would expect. Last year, his total yards simply plummeted down to 12.50. Again, he missed a little bit of time last year, too. If he didn't, he would have went over the total for 2020 for sure. And then, wow, this guy was like a top two, top three fantasy running back in the game two years ago with 1,946 yards with the Pittsburgh Steelers, getting the ball out of the backfield, 
waiting oh, for the offensive line. That was actually line to 2017, do. by the way. 2018, he sat out the entire season. Oh, 2018, he sat out. I'm sorry. So just just for clarity. No, just for, just for clarity for the people looking. You're right. Know, I forgot about that. <laughs> I think 2017 should be an enormous distant memory for you. Nobody should be taking Pittsburgh. Uh, well, those of us who had him in fantasy did not forget, trust me. So anyone who had a share of Le'Veon Bell in 2017 remembers. Now, well, I, me, now I remember that it's very well. Here. Yeah, but, 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 um, in, but in 2017, fairness, the graphic is correct. That. I'm wrong. So he rushed for uh, 1946 two, uh, three years ago. 2019 last year, it went down to um, 1250. You know, <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of Bell. I, I thought that. You know, his season last year in the end looked good. But, Joe, what's coming? <laughs> well, do not think of the Jets offense like you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, first of all. So take take those old 2017 numbers, throw them away. They mean absolutely nothing here. This is not Ben Roethlisberger. This is not the Steelers offense. This is not the Steelers wide receiving core that had Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. And those were the guys around when Le'Veon Bell was doing what he was doing back in 2017, going for almost 2,000 all-purpose yards. That does not exist anymore. So last year's 1250 altogether is a little bit more, I think, reasonable. Now, you can make the argument had Darnold played more games, this is probably closer to 13 or maybe 1400 all-purpose yards because Le'Veon Bell's game is catching passes out of the backfield. Le'Veon Bell is an all-purpose running back. My concern is now with Frank Gore there, you know, do they take a little even more mileage off Le'Veon Bell with some of those first down runs or some things like that? And man, it just, it really kind of frustrates me that Frank Gore presence there right now. And you are very astute in saying, you know, look at the shelf life of running backs. And if you're looking at his the shelf life, so low though, my God, his numbers so, so low, low, but his age is up. He's in a way worse scenario offensively. And how many games are the, the, the jets going to have leads in? I don't think a lot. So the rushing yards is what concerns me. Not the receiving passes out of the backfield last year too. The receiving, receiving yards, yards don't concern me. It's the rushing yards to get to this total that do. So how many I, rushing yards would you project him? To uh, I'm thinking he's somewhere around 800 and probably somewhere around 500 in terms. So I think he's right around the 13. I really do. This is why I would stay away from this number personally, because I think Le'Veon Bell can get 13 and the Jets narrative that I had can still play out quite easily because look, they were terrible last year and he's at 1250. So really uh, two more games from Sam Darnold and it's probably better than what it was. He was playing with third string quarterbacks for a couple of weeks. I mean, it was just, it was a complete disaster. He had, he had like a couple games, like 10 catches, 20 yards, like some crazy stuff. It's like not, again, it's not the receiving that's my concern. It's the rushing yards getting to that, that total all purpose where that's my concern. Cause I think Le'Veon Bell is going to have to eat a ton in the receiving game for them to, because they don't have a lot of receivers. I think you're going to yeah. see Le'Veon Bell lining up in the slot. I think you're going to see a lot of over or pass for me. I could not, I could not go under the, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go pass. I just, I just don't want to get involved there with this one because I think it's spot on. And like you always taught me when you see a number you think is exactly right, then you should just run away from it because there's no money to be made. All right. So let's move on to, a very intriguing one for 2020 because some people are going to be really right or really wrong about this guy. Miles Sanders, his total is 1424. That's a very big number for a guy going into his second year. Um, minus 112 to win 100 again last year. 1327 total yards, but really the key to this were the last three games where mm -hmm. he started getting the ball a lot more, and that number ended up being 313. 
which if you prorate that and you can't, but do three times five, you can see that he would have basically led the entire NFL in all-purpose yards had he done that. On the flip side, the Eagles don't ever have good running backs. Like, I, I couldn't believe when I went back to look that DeMarco Murray was the only one to even eclipse a 1,000 all-purpose yeah. yards. It's been bad he since wasn't very good. LaShawn McCoy was the last one to be good with the Eagles. That's... And we're going before, I mean, seven years ago. You're going really far back than Westbrook before that. So, mm-hmm. so here is here is my thing. I could only, I could only go under here. I, I could not bet on Miles Sanders being the best running back in the NFL because if he goes above it, he may be. And I'm not sure that he is. I'm not sure that Philadelphia is ready to just hand this over to him. Last year, I got bit. In the preseason, reading the reports, oh, he's the best running back on the field. It didn't matter. I mean, it mattered in the second half. It did. It mattered in the second half when he got the opportunity. And not enough. Not enough listen, for me. I, I don't believe it. I don't think Philadelphia is ever. I don't think that coaching staff is ever going to commit to one guy. I'll tell well, you look, what. Boston Scott's still there. It's not like he's he's by himself there. Boston Scott had some some moments last year. I was where you were last year, never wanting to buy into Doug Peterson sticking with a running back because the track record tells you that's not what he does. So I was right there with you. And then I saw a game in the middle of the season uh, before the trade deadline in fantasy. And I, this is a true story. I acquired Miles Sanders and Devin Singletary in three separate leagues. And in all of the leagues that I acquired them, all, all of the three of those teams made the playoffs and one of them was a championship. And Part of it was the success down the stretch of Miles Sanders and Singletary, but really Miles Sanders in the last, uh, I want to say he was like RB5, but then what happened was everybody got frustrated with him. All those people that you said, oh, this guy's so good, he's the best guy, and they all got frustrated because the usage wasn't there. So it was an opportunity to buy low, and I'm using this as a cautionary tale for everybody this year with DeAndre Swift, with Jonathan Taylor, with Cam Akers. If these guys don't hit right away or you don't draft them because of how high they're going – by week six, you should be making offers for them if they're not doing well because there's a very good chance the second half of the year will be better for these guys than the first half. So instead of wasting the draft capital or even worse, overpaying for them, wait on them, draft them later, and I think you're in a much better situation. That all aside, 1425 is, again, it's another number where I think it's spot on. I think it's right there. I would stay away, but if I had to pick one, you say, no, you got to pick one, be a man, I would man up and actually pick the over because I do think – Miles Sanders did enough for this offense last year that Doug Peterson has no choice but to basically hand the reins. And I think the fact they didn't bring in a Carlos Hyde this offseason, that they didn't bring in somebody else like that or Devontae Not Green, yet. They haven't yet. But until Not they yet. do, I'm going to say over on this number, which is why you also, and as Stutely said yesterday, what? Don't bet this now. There's no it's reason crazy. to. There's no, no reason, no reason to. to. But right now, and my if, And if they did over. get Leonard Fournette, Mm-hmm. then you'd be miserable betting the over. You'd go, oh, this was a terrible bet. Right, so absolutely. I, look, I think... The other, the other thing with Sanders that concerns me as well, and, and this could be... Guy. <laughs> and I could be completely wrong on this one too, by the way, is that I'm very hesitant on a guy that a lot of his yardage was picked up on several catches or several carries. Like he had an 80-yard touchdown run, a 60-yard touchdown reception, a 75-yard touchdown player. run. That's just his. And look, he and that may be who he is. He may be Kareem Hunt. He may be. But that's who he was at at Penn State, and I I think that's the thing. Like you have to understand if you are a Miles Sanders owner, that some if the games that he doesn't have that one explosive one, it might be underwhelming. But he's going to make up for it in other weeks when he has those explosive runs or those explosive catches, and he is that kind of a player. 
And that's what makes him, I think, scary to some fantasy owners, but very intriguing to others. I'm more intrigued. I, I by think him. he's a, he's going to win a championship for people because they'll have those huge weeks, and that's what you want. Right here. I just told uh, you that story. But, <laughs> You've but got into playoffs one playoff. I, I would lean under. I would. I would. I would. I, I don't know. Just a, I, I, the, the the data. My really? eyes tell me he's a good player. The data tells me. Well, Doug Peterson's track record is very spotty with this, but at a certain point, it's. We have to. It's it's kind of like this. This is the, almost the same conversation I remember having with people last year. Was like, well, Derrick Henry only had two games where he really had huge things. I'm gonna stay away from Derrick Henry because he all the stuff came in two games. He had some really big runs and some big moments. But I think at a certain point, an organization looks at it and they say, okay, you know what? Are we winning games when Miles Sanders touches the football? Are we winning games when Derrick Henry touches the football? And when the answer inevitably becomes yes then you have no choice but to basically surrender to that notion. And it is very difficult, and I agree with you. Doug Peterson does not make me feel warm and fuzzy. It's why I drafted zero shares of Miles Sanders last year, because I did not trust Miles Sanders and Doug Peterson together. And I said, this is going to be a disaster for six weeks. I'm not going to deal with this. Maybe he'll be better, but this is the whole point. The whole point is going into this year. I think this year is the realization there that he is the guy. He is the best guy. Yeah, Boston Scott's going to have some moments and that's fine. It's going to be frustrating some weeks. You take the explosiveness. You take what you saw in the second half of last year because Eagles were a playoff team and they are a relevant team. And if they're going to compete, Miles Sanders has to touch the football. He is their best offensive weapon, period. It's Carson Wentz and it's Miles Sanders. It is not Alshon Jeffrey. It is not Deshaun Jackson. It's not the other host of wide receivers we talked about yesterday. That well, it may be. I think it will end up being Rieger. So. Uh, it, I hope so, I but I don't so. think you can count on that. And that's my that's my one. He'll pick. be. A, I'll be a big fan of his going into the season. But uh, when we get there, when we get to the draft season well, in a couple of months, don't worry. All I, right, I, uh, I will send you a black book before July fourth. I promise. All right. I look forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to a pitch con coming up this weekend. You can catch me and a lot of other people talking some fantasy baseball, hopefully with some resolution on the season. Nick Pollock is going to join us from Pitcher List coming up next. And then we'll check in with Matt Sells from Fantasy Alarm. Big NASCAR circuit coming up this weekend on Sunday. He's been rock solid with uh, his discussions on who may win these races. Those of you who want to bet it over at FanDuel, you may want to stay tuned. He'll join us as well. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today in just two minutes. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Sports today, as we get potentially ready for the 2020 fantasy baseball season, we're joined by Nick Pollock. And Nick, of course, has a big event coming up this weekend. Pitcher List, of course, is how you can follow them on Twitter. They do a great job breaking down pitchers, breaking down fantasy. And it'll be a lot of fun to have this discussion about the event and also the upcoming season as we get closer, I believe, to it. Nick, thanks for coming on Fantasy Sports today. What's going on? What is happening? Thanks so much for having me here today. 
All right, uh, Nick, so before we get to uh, PitchCon coming up this weekend, I know I'll be participating in that. I know it's uh, it's certainly going to get a lot of great minds in the fantasy baseball industry together. But before we get everyone together, we got to take a little bit of a look back here. The last mm -hmm. few months for you, what has it been like not having fantasy, not having baseball? Has it been easy? Has it been difficult? What have you been doing with all of this time? Yeah, this is this is really weird. <laughs> um, yep. I mean, we, we've been doing a lot of things in the back end of Pitchless. Like, we have a lot of things that we wanted to do for our next iteration next season that we've done, done a lot of focus on. But, uh, I mean, I've watched some KBO. I've been playing MLB The Show a bit. Uh, I've been trying to – well, I've been making a dent into, like, my dream article, which is, like, a 30,000-word article talking about everything I look at when I study a pitcher on the hill. Uh, but, I mean, it's been weird. It's been so weird, Craig. When will it stop? I mean, hopefully soon. I mean, I'm hopeful that this week that we have some sort of resolution and um, and we have something. But I, I think right. the interesting part for me, Nick, is just asking different people who play fantasy and who follow the game how they're going to be approaching potentially this half season. I know that you and I chatted briefly about some of the topics to discuss, but inevitably I think that a lot potentially – will end up changing uh, how we view things, how we view pitchers with the what looks like is the designated hitter for the entire league. Mm -hmm. uh, I, mean, I mean, there's so much to really unpack. Has it changed your view? Has it made pitchers better, worse? Yeah, as, definitely. As it's, it's obviously not a catch-all here. There are certain guys that get elevated, some that might get pushed down a little bit. I mean, I will say this. There's a lot more affecting pitchers here than I think hitters. Hitters, for the most part, unless we're really changing the fields a ton, it's kind of, all right, take what we had for 162 games and have it. Um, I understand maybe there are some slight elements when it comes to injuries there, but for the most part, we can kind of do that. Uh, with pitchers, though, you have guys with innings limits, for example. So you have like Luke Weaver, who we didn't really expect to go maybe a full eight, 180 or 200. Now he becomes really interesting in a shortened season. Same, of course, with Julio Urias and Jesus Luzardo. And you can make a case also Brandon Woodruff being in there after pitching under 130 innings last season. So there are a lot of these pitchers that all of a sudden say, wait, I thought there were going to be massive headaches for me. I used to call them hipsters. That is headache-inducing pitchers that stifled the entire roster just because you didn't know when you'd get those effective innings from them. And now, well, 81 games or so, half a season, maybe then we actually get them for essentially a full season then and they can be really productive for your squads. There's another pitcher there that's Shohei Otani that we were really expecting a ton of innings from this year. Now, I mean, I, I think a lot of people forget, like, he was a top 25 starter, 30% strikeout rate, yeah. fantastic ERA and whip. And I'm so excited to watch Shohei Otani just be there through the full year with other pitchers as well. So he certainly gets a much bigger push, even if he's a, a two-way player or one-way, doesn't matter, or two different players, I should say. Uh, he's still going to benefit your team, I think, more so than we were planning back in March. Um, but there's so many other things, too. There's veteran pitchers that actually uh, we maybe put a, um, a price on them, a heavy weight, because they had a ton of innings and we're going to get that volume. Well, now they're not necessarily going to get that volume, but there's certain ones, I'd say, like Zach Greinke, that you might want to push down, but maybe not because he actually is a high IPS guy that is innings for start. So instead sure. of going five yeah. and change, he's – could easily go seven in a given night and still be on the Astros, which are going to be a winning ball club, much to the chagrin of most of the major league fans. Uh, so, so there's some discussion to be had there. Um, and obviously with injuries, I don't actually know where I side yet on this. Like you could make two arguments. One, that those that are injury prone, well, there's less time for them to get injured. So we should be in on them then. 
Or there's the other argument that if they do get injured, they're missing a more significant chunk of the season. And maybe you don't want to risk any sort of problem there. I mean, James Paxson is likely still going to miss games, even though he has a healthy back now. Half of a season, he's probably going to get hurt at some time. Well, Charlie Morin will. His injuries were at the end of the season normally, and I still think that he can go a full season of three months and actually stay healthy. So there are a lot of moving parts here, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's just really fun to talk about pitching again. And I, I pray that we like in a week, just in a week, that sounds so good that we can actually have <laughs> right. something down where we can say, cool, this is what it is. This is likely what it means. That would be so great. Yeah, it, it would, and, and hopefully that's the case. But I, I think the question becomes, Nick, is that um, you and Alex and everyone have been involved in a lot of fantasy drafts to this point. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that they hold true? Do you think that you should be holding your fantasy teams? Do you think that commissioners should step in and and basically redo all of our drafts? Where are you at on that? That's a great question. Uh, I would say it has to be a league vote. I mean, I personally would redraft all of these because it's just not the same game. We drafted with so much uncertainty without knowing, you know, what was going to happen. And I feel that we would all want a new season. We understand now the terms of the agreement. And so I would say do a redraft personally. I understand those that really think like, no, we put in our time and effort on this and this is how it goes and things change and you don't, uh, you don't get the opportunity to change it based on things we didn't know about. So that's fair. I would say commissioner make a league vote and see how your league feels. Yeah. And for me, I think that that's crucial because, Nick, you know, so many things are just completely irrelevant uh, from what yeah. happened early on in the season. And, and injuries are always going to happen. And like Syndergaard is not a good example of that because, right. you know, clearly that's going to happen over the course of a season. But just all of the players that were hurt that are now healthy and the fact that there's a DH involved, I think that there are so many yeah. things to unpack. I, I hope that uh, there's a possibility that most commissioners will look at it and think it is a good idea to redraft because I certainly am an advocate of that. I don't I don't think that anybody should have to hang on to a team they drafted in February or March when Definitely. essentially a season doesn't start until June. Um, so let's talk about PitchCon coming up this weekend. A lot of people are probably learning about this for the first time watching this right now. How did you come up with the idea? How did you guys put this all together? I know I'll be participating in a conference this weekend, but let's talk about how it happened and the genesis of it. First of all, I can't wait for your presentation. That's such a fantastic I hope, uh, perspective I, I hope I have a it. good presentation. Oh, no. <laughs> no, the second that you suggested it to me, um, giving that perspective of saying, hey, I'm a you know MLB insider, but I also talk about fantasy in that translation. I think that's yeah, so fascinating. That does that, so. Right. So I, I was so excited to hear that, A, you want to be a part of it, and then B, we're going to give that kind of presentation. Um, but yeah, so PitchCon, uh, essentially, I mean, we're all at home, and I knew so many people in the industry that were just kind of they were starving to do something, but didn't know how to do it because you can't really just write another basic article about something. Right. And uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly someone that loves the tech world. I was a computer science minor and stuff. I'm very hyper aware of Twitch and just uh, how live streaming is very much the direction we're going. And why not? Why not just gather everybody? We would want to be at a conference anyway. We all wanted to do Tat Wars, and I think that was the correct decision not to hold Tat Wars. Of course, it was, I mean, in New York City, the epicenter of this going on. Yes, um, past, uh, Yeah, right, past uh, May, uh, March 11th and all. And uh, so we were, we're all kind of dying for us all to hang out, you know, to have this kind of event. And nothing was there. And it just, I was originally actually thinking I was going to do like a 24-hour like telethon 
because I thought that would be really fun. And then I realized, oh, wait, let's just make it a four-day conference. And so eventually it turned into this um, 40 hours uh, from Thursday, May 28th to May 31st, Thursday through Sunday. It's 10 hours a day from 10, 12 in the afternoon to 10 at night uh, Eastern time. Um, it's going to be available on Twitch at twitch.tv slash pitcherlist. You can follow me on Twitter at pitcherlist, and we'll be hosting it via Periscope there as well. Uh, and then I, uh, so it's going to be our one hour presentations each. Um, I'm so excited about this. It's completely free to watch. Uh, and it, it, you can, we'll be doing, um, sorry, we'll also be fundraising for feeding America. 50% of everything that we raise will go to that. And of course there are prizes too. Um, there are a lot of people that were super generous inside the industry. Uh, we have a list, I think of about 40 prizes that we're giving away and it's not tied to contributing. If you want, if you want to contribute, that's awesome. It's fantastic. Um, but if you just want to be there to watch a free conference and get some prizes, hopefully that's great too. So we have a whole list of those. Um, they range from PL merch to, uh, subscriptions at, uh, baseball HQ and Rotowire and Rasball and all these fantastic places. People draft teams with you. It's a really, really fun event. So many smart people. Um, we have pitching Ninja and Eno Saris and I doing a presentation, which I feel really guilty, but I'm like, you know what? I'm running the presentation. I'm going to be on that panel. Uh, we have John Boy Media coming. We have Jason Benetti of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, I'm going to sit down with him and talk like talk about uh, what it's like being inside the booth and his whole story, which is incredible. Uh, it's just so many smart people in the industry. It it blows my mind uh, that we're doing this thing. So we're really excited about it. Thursday, May 28th at noon Eastern time is when it starts, and I just I really can't wait for this weekend. Yeah, I, and I and I think that the timing may actually be perfect. Because hmm. if we, I, mean, I think honestly, one way or the other, the timing is going to be perfect. On the positive side, if by Thursday or Friday we get some sort of resolution as to what is going to happen, it does open up a very big door for us to run through right. and start what I think is a brand new conversation about the 2020 fantasy baseball season. Uh, conversely, if the season is over, <laughs> it gives us that opportunity, I think, to vent for mm -hmm. a few days and I, I do feel Nick that there will be a season I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna play the negative side of this but we do have to at least explore that possibility that these sides cannot get this thing worked out from either a medical perspective or a money perspective that does exist that possibility right, does definitely. exist. so um, hopefully that ends up happening um, all right, so real quick before you go, uh, Nick, tell people um, about Pitcher List real quick. Uh, we got about two minutes to go and how people can follow you on social media and get a little bit of a leg up as far as fantasy pitchers in 2020. Sure. So Pitcher List uh, is a site with everything you'd want, baseball, a pitcher gift database. So you can actually see every single pitcher. We have a whole podcast network. We've been doing a thing uh, interviewing pitchers recently uh, with Dan Straley, Luke Weaver, Caleb Smith, Pablo Lopez, Matthew Boyd, just to name a few. So definitely uh, search for that on Google and take a listen. But yeah, during the season, we have uh, recaps of every single day, go over every single pitcher for the night before and how that should affect your fantasy teams, uh, batter's box as well for hitters, every kind of content you'd want for fantasy baseball, it is there. But give us a follow at uh, PitcherList on Twitter, at PitcherList as well on Instagram. And I look forward to seeing you guys there at PitchCon this weekend. Awesome, Nick. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks again. All right, Nick Pollock with us here on Fantasy Sports Today. Uh, PitchCon is this weekend. It is uh, a nice event. I'm honored to be asked to be a part of it. My presentation, if you can call it that, my conversation is probably more uh, along the lines of doing this show and bringing the game of fantasy with a twinge, of course, of reality, of being able to report 
some of the things that are happening inside the game and having that discussion. Of course, follow at PitcherList uh, for Nick and Alex and all the great people that are over there doing the job that they do covering fantasy baseball and especially from a pitching perspective. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today in just a couple of minutes. Joe Pizapia will join us back here on the show as we dive more into the topics of the day. Lots of news to cover. NHL is back and lots of other things happening as well. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we have a big race coming up in NASCAR this weekend, we check in with our FST NASCAR guy from Fantasy Alarm. Matt Sells joins us here on the show. As you can see from the great state of Nebraska, the uh, Cornhusker state, any uh, interesting uh, corn shopping you're doing there, Matt, in uh, quarantine? Uh, Not just yet. Um, I don't know when the exact harvest season is for corn. Uh, That might sound a little odd. I've lived out here for like eight, nine years, but I, I don't know when it gets harvested um, but yeah, no, not a whole lot going on out here in, in quarantine just yet. All right. Well, I was going to say, I mean, listen, it's, it's a, not a bad gig to just pick corn all day long. You know? <laughs> corn's very tasty. I'm a big fan of corn. It oh, corn's corn delicious. Over here in Florida. We don't have any corn down here. <laughs> corn's delicious. I just don't want to shuck it all day. All right. Well, listen, you know, you can't, you can't watch NASCAR all day, Matt. You got to do other things with your life too. No offense. <laughs> All right, uh, so before we go forward, let's go back to the, the big race. Uh, was the Coca-Cola the last race? Was that the one, or was there a race since then? The Coca-Cola 600 was on Sunday. There's Sunday, a race and there on... was a race Wednesday night, right? Yes. Yep, okay. there so was a let, race let, on let's Wednesday. Let's go back to those two races. I know that, that uh, you know, certainly the uh, the Coca-Cola was a very exciting finish for sure. Uh, but but look, it's it's been uh, NASCAR has been a massive hit. We're obviously bringing you back on this show. Seven million people, four million people, five million people watching this. So people are excited about it. FanDuel put out odds very early in the week for the race coming up. Yeah, they did. They've uh, these. I mean, in fact, DraftKings has had uh, slates out for the next three races already, which doesn't usually happen. Uh, Wednesday night's race capped off four consecutive nights of racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway between the Coke 600 on Sunday, which had probably the dumbest pit pit stop call I've ever seen made uh, to end a race. Uh, Yeah, Chase Elliott was leading with a lap and a half to go, and his teammate blew a tire, and a caution came out, and they chose to pit uh, because they didn't trust the guy to hold off the lead for another lap and a half. Uh, Yeah, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Then there was an Xfinity race on Monday night, a truck series race on Tuesday night, which had some charity implications between Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch. Um, And then Wednesday brought another Cup Series race. So we got a whole lot of action going on. And then there's Xfinity on Saturday night and Cup Series on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon at Bristol. All right. So so which is is the race that you want to focus on first? 
So let's uh, talk about, are we previewing the race? Because we'll talk yeah, about Sunday do, at Bristol. Yeah, let, let, let's look ahead. We'll talk about Sunday at Bristol, the cup race. Okay, let's do it. Um, so yeah, it's it's the first short track race of the season that was actually run in a cup car. They did do Bristol in iRacing, but that doesn't really count. Um, so it's the first short track of the season. Bristol is one of my favorite tracks. Um, it's called the Last Great Coliseum, Thunder Valley. It's a track with about a thousand different nicknames. Um, and it's really, really high-paced racing. It's You might not think it would be high-paced racing because it's a half-mile track. doesn't sound like it would be a lot of high speeds. Well, here's the thing. The entire track is banked at, like, you know, 20 to 30-degree angles. So you can keep speed going the whole time. And so it's a whole lot of fast-paced action. There tends to be a lot of crashes because there's not a whole lot of bailout area going on. So uh, it should be a pretty good time here on Sunday. All right, so, Matt, let's take a look at the uh, anticipated potential favorites for the race on Sunday. I know that uh, this has shifted around a little bit. In fact, earlier in the week, Kevin Harvick was not the favorite in the Alsco 500. It was Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch. Why is Harvick? Uh, why was Harvick not the favorite in, uh, in the race on Wednesday? Because uh, Harvick doesn't typically do very well at Charlotte. He does have a couple of wins there in his career. But based on Sunday's Coke 600, shook up with the restart. And so, you know, it's not shocking that he wasn't the favorite. Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott have put on a show this week at Charlotte. So for them to be the favorites made sense. Uh, heading into Bristol, though, I would assume that the favorite, the odds on favorite would be Kyle Busch. Because that guy just straight up owns Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, he has won several, like, I think it's four of the last seven races run at Bristol. Kyle Busch has won. Uh, and his brothers won the other two, two of the other three. Uh, the brothers Bush, Kurt Bush and Kyle Bush own Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, I would also expect Denny Hamlin to be a pretty heavy favorite going into Bristol, um, despite him having his crew suspended for four races. Um, but he won there the last time we saw cup cars on track at Bristol. Denny Hamlin came home the winner. So those two, I would assume, would be the prohibitive favorites for Sunday's Food City 500. All right. And so, um, you know, certainly we'll check out that. You can also head on over to uh, Matt's site, Fantasy Alarm, and they give you some really good ideas for potential bets and also uh, DFS action on that race. Um, you know, I, I think it was really fascinating if you want to go back uh, earlier in the week to the uh, to the bounty with Chase Elliott uh, in the truck race against Kyle Busch, Matt. Uh, how did this all come about? And I know uh, Chase Elliott barely won. Yeah, so it started earlier this year. Um, for those that don't know, the Cup Series drivers are allowed to go down and do lower division races throughout the year. They're limited to how many they can do. Um, so Kyle Busch tends to do Truck Series races more than Xfinity races because Kyle Busch owns a Truck Series team. His team is Kyle Busch Motorsports. And so what will happen is he'll like have an open seat for a race and he'll want to bring in more sponsorship money, so he promises that he'll run the race because sponsors know that he'll be running closer to the front therefore he can bring in more money and whatnot so kyle bush runs a handful of these races a year and he typically dominates these races like they're they're usually not even close between him and the cup series driver or the the truck series drivers and there's a reason for that these guys are two series away from being you know a cup series driver so it'd be for example it'd be like if you had a guy like max scherzer 
go down and pitch double A, and then you're surprised that the guy's throwing six straight no hitters. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's the talent level difference. So Kevin Harvick, another cup driver that we just talked about, put up a bounty earlier this year before the whole shutdown happened that said basically any full time cup driver that wants to go down to the truck series uh, and run a race against Kyle Busch and beat him. He didn't have to win. He just had to finish higher than Kyle Busch and race him clean. He couldn't wreck Kyle Busch to beat him would get $50,000 from Kevin Hart. And then Marcus Lamonis, who is the CEO of Camping World, who sponsors the truck series. Um, well, Gander Outdoor does, but Camping World and Gander Outdoor are basically the same thing. Um, basically doubled that and said, I'll throw in 50000 too. So the, the wager became $100,000. And then with the times that we're in now, it changed to, okay, you'll still get the 100000 but it'll be donated to a coronavirus cause of your choice in your name so that it doesn't look like a bunch of people just wagered $100,000 on a sporting event when a bunch of people are out of work and whatever. So that's how that began. Um, and yeah, Chase Elliott barely pulled it off. It was, uh, you know, pretty tight racing there. Uh, at the end, he beat Kyle Busch, I think, by a total of six-tenths of a second, which isn't really all that much. Um, so yeah, now Chase Elliott gets to donate $100,000 to uh, coronavirus causes of his choosing. Very cool. Uh, Matt Sells is with us. Matt, so uh, let, let's talk about after Sunday. Before we let you go, what races are coming up after that? So Sunday, we have the Food City 500 at um, Bristol. And then we go another week, and it's Sunday at, I believe, Homestead Miami Speedway is yep. the next one. And then we have a midweek race on Wednesday. This gets into basically the middle of June. June 10th um, would be Martinsville. And then we've got Atlanta. I'm sorry, Atlanta is June 7th. And we got Martinsville in there. And then we go to Talladega for the 21st of June. Uh, so there, there's about another five races coming up in about three weeks in June. So it's going to be a pretty packed schedule. And then after that, they haven't really announced yet. But the rumor is that they'll be heading to Pocono for a doubleheader weekend on the 27th and 28th of June. Very so cool. Two so, cup races, back-to-back days. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll look forward to seeing that. And um, and would you say that that thus far, even with no fans there, Matt, it's being embraced. I know from a television perspective, but do you think that it's been more or less for you and your content and doing DFS and looking at it just strictly about racing at this point? Does it really come down to that? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's some there's some changes. Obviously, there haven't been any practices, and there's only been one qualifying session for the four races that have already been run. So that changes strategy-wise a little bit because it's kind of like luck of the draw and you don't see the cars on the track before they actually race. Races, what they've looked like on track and what they do uh, you know, at the tracks that they're racing at historically. So it hasn't changed all that much. Um, but DFS-wise, DraftKings has gotten wise to the fact that it's the only sport that's happening right now and they've changed how they value drivers. So that has changed uh, the strategy behind DFS builds for uh, DraftKings. Vandal, on the other hand, hasn't changed anything. All right, so good. So that's uh, that's something to keep an eye on for those of you who are on DraftKings versus Vandal for sure. You can catch Matt Sells and all his great work, of course, over at Fantasy Alarm and FantasyAlarm.com. And I know, Matt, before you go, uh, 
I mean, we're all kind of waiting here on the baseball season. I know that you're a big baseball fan as well. It's It's got to be frustrating kind of seeing this back and forth a little bit. I know we just want to have baseball back. It is frustrating. Um, I'm kind of siding with the players. They had an agreement back in April with the owners uh, for prorated pay, and then the owners came back and said, well, no, I don't think that's really going to work, and they're trying to take some more money out of guys' pockets. Um, and, yeah, I just don't think that's really fair. If you came to an agreement, you all knew what the stakes were when you came to the agreement. You should honor the agreement. Otherwise, like, you know, why, why should players trust the owners going forward if they're just going to go back on agreements they make? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, look, there's, there's two sides to it for sure, and we're hearing both sides, no doubt about that. All right, thanks, Matt, for coming on the show. That's Matt Sells right there from Fantasy Alarm covering NASCAR for us right here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. Uh, we will be back, Joe, and I'll be back on tomorrow's edition of the show again, 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. And we'll get ready to wrap up the week in fantasy sports and reality as well. So make sure you stay tuned and tune in then. Also, don't forget, please like and subscribe to our show. For those of you who are watching over on our YouTube channel, turn your notifications to on every single day. And, you know, take out your iPad, take out your phone, watch all of our previous segments, everything that we're talking about. We are here for you during this time, especially for those of you who are forced in a situation to stay home. For Matt Sells and Nick Pollock and my co-host Joe Pizapia, I'm Craig Mish. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.